Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Let me pray for us. Father, um, all good things come from you, and I, I thank you for the gift that you've given us this morning, not just the continual gift of your son and of this life and of the hope and the uh, ability to truly be alive, but also for good friends and, and um, gifted friends. We ask that you use them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Have you ever uh, categorized your life, you know, by your friendships? Kind of like what I mean is, you know, you look at your friendships and you kind of go, oh, this person influenced me in this way and that's why my life went in this direction or without this friend I wouldn't have gotten this career or, have you ever done that? I was doing that recently and I was remembering my friend Derek and I was thinking about how if it wasn't for Derek, I wouldn't have met my wife, this little lass right here, you know, because Derek and I were out one night and we were getting ready to leave this place and Derek said, um, hey, let's go sing some songs to those girls over there. And I normally wouldn't have just walked up to girls and said, hey, would you guys like to hear some Christmas carols? But because Derek was there, we did. And this was one of the girls we sang a Christmas carol to. And so when I think about, man, my marriage, Derek influenced me into marriage. And that means my kids, you know, all like influenced, like a descendant, descendants of my friendship with Derek, you know. Have you ever done that? You think through your life and you go, man, I never would have gotten arrested if it weren't for that friend. Again, Derek. You know, but I want to tell you guys a story about a night when some friends helped me realize that I had some self-development work to do because of the way that I viewed people that were a little bit different than me. I want to tell you a story about the first and only night that I ever tried to rent a hooker. Last night, I tried to rent a hooker. I grew up in the church, a preacher's kid even, and I'm cool with all the church stuff, like God, I love God, Jesus, I love Jesus, but last night, I tried to rent a hooker. I was hanging out with my friends in Long Beach. We were smoking cigars by the Queen Mary and hanging out. My friends, they're pagans, but I love them. I mean, they're cool with me liking Jesus, so it's only fair for me to be cool with them liking Satan, I suppose, right? It's fair trade. And out of nowhere, one of my buddies goes, hey, you guys want to get a hooker? And I said, uh, excuse me? And he said, we're all writers. You know, we're always thinking about, like, new experiences to glean from and finding new insights into life. Just think about how much we learn from one night with a hooker. And I said, um, what about morality and the law what about um human dignity and self-respect and respecting others and he goes no 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 buzz i don't want to get a hooker you know 
to sleep with her. I'm thinking, like, what if we got a hooker and just took her somewhere and talked with her, you know, just asked her questions about her line of work and, you know, what she did and how she feels about it. And I said, well, how much do they cost? And he said, well, how long do you want her for? And I was like, I don't want her at all, bro. Let's be clear about that just right out of the gate. But I'm just saying, you know, if I'm going to pitch in, I want to have a say in, like, you know, the kind we get. I don't know. And he said, well, I think that we should do it. And my buddy, we'll call him Derek. He said, I like the idea. Let's go. 11.30 on a Saturday night. I'm driving around Long Beach looking for a hooker. There's one, I shouted, all excited like I just spotted the Loch Ness hooker. But when I put my head out the window and said, how much would you charge us? to just take you to a meal and have a conversation. She looked at me and said, I'm not a hooker, you jerk. I said, okay. I was embarrassed, but my friends let it slide because none of us could tell easily between the hooked and the unhooked. One of my buddies spots this woman with a barely torn dress draped over the back of her tired shoulders. There she is, boys, that's our girl. I said, are you sure about this one? He said, yeah, I'm sure. So we pulled the car up, and she said, hello. We said, hello. She said, are you boys lost, or have you found what you're looking for? And a buddy said, we're not lost, but I think you might be able to help us, ma'am. She said, oh, don't call me ma'am. Call me Mary. I said, okay, Mary. My friends and I are all writers, and we were wondering if you might be interested in letting us take you to a meal and just ask you questions about what you do. Writers, huh? Yeah. She said, what do you write? I said, well, short stories, scripts, screenplays, poetry. She said, poetry? Yeah. She said, I tell you what, tell me a poem, and if I like it, I'll go with you. So my buddy looked at me and said, hey, tell her your love letter poem. I said, okay. I said, Mary, tonight... I'm going to share a poem with you about love letters. And I looked at her and I said, love letters are gifts held together with the glue of illogical words. Open eyes, sapphire, absent of all comments about the weather. I said, Mary, tonight I'm going to ask you what games you play and I'm going to tell you how to cheat so you can win them all. Because love letters are right. So tonight, I'll write for you, for me, to give, I'll write a love letter for you, Mary, a woman I don't even know. And she looked at me, and she just looked blank, sad, happy, interested, I couldn't tell. And then she said, where do you guys want to eat? I felt like a million dollars, like my poem, like my thought, won her over. And she got in the car, and I said, okay, Mary, Mary, first question. Does it freak you out to get into a car with people you don't know? And she said, do you guys all write? How long have you written? How would you start? She just ignores my question with one of her own, straight out. And I said, yeah, well, we've all you know, been writing for about 13 years. For me, it started when this girl broke up with me and it hurt and I just started writing to get it all out and it just felt so good to get it out and I haven't stopped. I said, so Mary, how long have you been a hooker? And she said, do you all write poetry? Is it all kinds of different things? Ignores my question. 
I said, do you like poetry? Do you write? And she goes, no, I don't, but I used to date a guy that wrote. I said, hookers date? And she said, no, it was before. We went to a place called Don Santico's and we spoke all night. And all night long, Mary just ignored our questions, my questions, just talked right over them. She was asking us about us, where we came from, what we were interested in, what we loved to do. We spoke until the badges changed shifts. We spoke until the sun stopped hitting the snooze button and woke up and the night was just about over. Mary got up to say goodbye and my buddy got up to pay the bill and I said, wait, 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 Mary, I'm glad that you were interested in us, but I just need to ask you a couple of questions about what you do. Like, I want to have these ideas or inspirations from your point of view, things that I would maybe never be, a, you know, be able to come up with on my own. And, and my buddy looks at me and he goes, not tonight, Buzz, not tonight. And Mary left. We paid our bill and Mary wanted to walk home in the morning. She said, I want to feel the sunrise on my face twice this morning. She wouldn't take any money from us, and I felt a little bit weird about that, but my buddy said he understood. And, and as we watched her walk away and we got into the car, it suddenly hit me, it occurred to me, that my friends had been talking with this person all night. They'd just been speaking with this lady all night long, having a conversation with a human being. And I realized while they'd been talking to a person, I'd been talking to a prostitute, just trying to learn about that instead about her just as a person. And in that moment, I realized that the lines blurred between us and them, between I'm better than you because I don't do this or I was raised this way. They got blurred and they kind of went away. And I'm thinking about that and I told them to stop the car because I want to get out. I said, I think I should walk home too. So that's Buzz, and he's one of my um, closest friends, and we've wanted to do this for a while, so what we decided to do was, is uh, we talked about, we should teach together somewhere, sometime. The problem is, is that I teach here on Sundays, and he teaches at his church out in Lake Elsinore together. So we decided, well, let's just go to your church one Sunday, and then we'll go to the other one, the other one. So here we go. Um, so my son was supposed to take this light and shine it like that, but I forgot to remind him. So, I could tell you all the history with Buzzy and I, but I think this story, like the story he shared, because the reason we, so when they, they did that when we planted branches. We were at Kenosha Elementary, and they played that song, and I can remember it vividly. And to go through it a second time, and it was so much like the first time. Mm. Like, just as powerful. But I love the part of it where he wouldn't have grown, he wouldn't have taken that step if it weren't for friends. So I asked him, would you guys do that? And 
the text came back immediately. Sure, we're on it. No problem. And I think of me doing that, and it makes me want to throw up. Not that I would mind being in front, but I, I, that's a gift. And so... Um, Maybe I didn't tell you that you and Steph are going to do that at my church next week. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Something you need to know about us, this is all planned out. We know generally where we're starting, generally where we're finishing. But as you've experienced here at Branches, um, in fact, I've had to take over the slides because the guys that ran the slides and the ladies that ran the slides got so frustrated with me because, like, we have no idea where you're going. They're in this order, but then you bounce around. He's just as bad as I am. So this may seem like it's really structured and ordered, which it was intended to, but we both know it's not going to go the way we planned. So what does? But we know that I'm supposed to start with this Mm. um, because there's so much on our friendship, but recently, this kind of defines the idea of friendship for us, and not only our friendship, but what we want to get across to all of us this morning, looking at why God has given us each other. So we were, um, there's these big pastors' conferences and these amazing things you can go to, um, but we're weird, so we just pulled it together with he and I and another guy, and we went up to Palm Desert and stayed at a place, and then we were out at dinner, and it was in a kind of strip mall that connected to another strip mall, almost like a full mall, but not really a full mall, and we were finishing eating, and off in the distance, I could see something familiar, and what I saw was a fight. Like, I knew it was a fight, and I saw people circling, and, and so our buddy was driving. Was our buddy driving? Yeah, John was yeah, driving. Yeah, John was driving, and I said, hey, go that way. People need help, so, and, and I have a problem because I put myself in situations that I'm not really qualified for, and this was one of those times, and so we pulled up, and it was a, it looked like a gang fight, mate. I don't know. There was a lot of people circling and running yeah. around, and, and, um, people kicking and punching. So I jump out with tunnel vision. I wasn't even thinking, and I, I don't remember what, what the words were that came out of my mouth. We actually worked out what we would do next time so it would be better. But yeah. this time, I didn't really work it out very well. I should have run out, the police are coming, the police are coming. They would have all split. But instead, I'm like, stop, like I'm the yeah. police. <laughs> so we run up, and it, it was bad. It was real bad. I don't want to get into the details because it's still, yeah. it is still a little traumatic. I remember my, like, big authoritative breakup was, that's enough, guys. <laughs> that's, like, my children or something. But that did, they didn't stop at that. It was that. the craziest thing. They didn't stop at that. So we jump in, and I'm grabbing one guy, and then this other guy comes behind and kicks him in the forehead, and he falls down. And at this point, I'm like, this is a bad place to be. So I'm reaching, trying to help this guy, but his buddy comes over. And it was at that point that I stopped, because I was only in my own world at that point. But it was at that point that I looked and realized, oh, Buzzy's there. Because I didn't know he was there. <laughs> but it didn't surprise me. It didn't surprise me that when I jumped out into a stupid situation to try to help, that he didn't even hesitate. And he was, it was almost like back to back. Okay, I got, I'm scanning here. No one else is going to kill us from this end. You got that side. It was just natural. And so when we talk about friendship, when we talk about friendship in the church, that's what we're talking about, that level of connection and dependence. So, yeah, I think my favorite part of that story is we did, we got in the car. John and I hadn't seen the scuffle yet, you know, 
and uh, you just went, you said it so calmly, too. You went, we might need to go do something about that. And you pointed to the fight up there. It was just like, maybe we should intervene. And I'm then glad it seemed that calm. You were so calm, calm about it, and then you roundhouse kicked a knife out of that one guy's hand. <laughs> and, um, yeah, oh, it was Oh, now it's cool. all coming back to me. Yeah, yeah the roundhouse. I remember, I remember at one point we walked away in slow motion with our shirts off for some reason, <laughs> like after we broke it up. Uh, yeah, it's all coming back. Yeah, you were, you were very calm, it seemed, and... Yeah, that was an amazing, an amazing moment. We both, it shook us, man. It's hard to see that kind of like anger and, and violence up, up close. And so we did break it up though, and they went their own ways. And then we went out and uh, just went home and kind of processed it out. And so, so yeah, I appreciate, I like that metaphor about like you were in this moment and then you realized, oh, my buddy's with me. Like he's here. And just the microcosm of how that is supposed to be in all of life. Like, my people are with me. My friends are with me. And we know that God uh, designed us. Like, the, the recipe of us includes a desire for, for friendships, for human connection. There, there I am. <laughs> so, I was preaching. I just feel like, I kind of feel like I need to explain that picture <laughs> a little bit. I love tracksuits, and I didn't feel like I could just preach in a tracksuit at my church, and so um, I did a sermon series called Active Faith, and I came out wearing a tracksuit, and it was like, hey, we're starting a series called Active Faith, you know, and so I'm wearing this active wear. A different suit every week. I wore a different tracksuit every week just to acclimate I don't even my own church. one. Does anyone here own a tracksuit? No one's no. raising their hand because you don't have one or you just don't want to admit to it? No. I Because I thought maybe this is something I was missing out I on. I can't get enough of them. And so I wore a tracksuit every week for that sermon series. And then uh, to acclimate my church to getting used to see, they thought it was like a gimmick for the sermon series. I wrote the whole sermon series just to preach in tracksuits. And then uh, now I can wear them every now and then. They'll just be like, oh, yeah, this is just what he does. And so I did that. And then somebody Photoshopped the hat and the glasses onto me. Okay, so... <laughs> They, they, they did that, but the tracksuit is the normal part for well, what's me. awesome is when I saw the picture and downloaded it, I just assumed that you would That's do how something like does it. No. And so, uh, yeah, my buddy did that, speaking of friends. And so the, the idea of friendship, knowing that we are, uh, that God put it in us, this desire for connection. And if you look at the, the breadth of Scripture, you see it throughout the entirety of Scripture, the need for those connections, the need for um, human relationship, the need for friendships. You see it back in Genesis chapter 2 where God makes Adam and says, you know, hey, tend this stuff. Don't eat from this tree, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then he kind of goes, man, it's not good for man to be alone. Like, this guy needs somebody, right? And so it makes Eve. And then you see throughout all these different places, you see Jesus sending people out in pairs, right? You see... Um, uh, Moses in Exodus chapter 3 with the burning bush where God goes to Moses and says, I want you to go back and free the slaves in Egypt. And Moses is like overwhelmed with it. He goes, nah, I can't do it. I'm not good at speaking. What if they don't believe me? What if they don't, you know, trust that I, I can lead them? You know, and Moses keeps giving objections. And then in Exodus chapter 4, after all these objections, God goes, but your brother Aaron is coming and he's going to go with you. And after that, not another objection from Moses. It was like, oh, I've got a partner. I've got somebody. I'm here. You know, you look at uh, Genesis chapter 12, where God says to Abram, you are going to become a holy nation, 
And why did he do that? Like, it's, it's going to be a community of relationships, you know, that you are going to birth. It's not just, okay, Abram, I want you to go do this and, and you know, I'll work through you. He said, I'm going to work through you in the context of these relationships. And so, yeah, that theme of just friendships and relationships throughout the Bible really highlights the need for, for this, the need for connection, the need for sometimes accountability and encouragement and just that brotherhood and that sisterhood and that communityhood. And so uh, I am grateful for my connection with you for sure. Um, and and it's, a, it's a fulfillment really of what God has designed in us. And so when you think of um, relationships in the Bible and friendships in the Bible, like what, what characters come to mind for you? This wasn't in the notes, bro. Um, as you were sharing, I, I immediately was thinking of one of the reasons we planted branches was because of Acts chapter 13. Hmm. And Paul felt this call to go out, but yet he and Barnabas, they sent them out together. And then they brought in, you know, John Mark and a couple other people floating around, and they went together. Um, and then the one that always gets me, I, I think, in terms of needing each other, even Jesus needed people. I mean, he could have just cruised by himself, but he had the men and the women that were surrounding him, and not just in, in good times, not just in, in the work but when things got tough, and he was very verbal about it, because we don't do that kind of stuff. We don't, we don't say, hey, you know, very rarely will we say, you know what, I need you to come with me to this. It's almost like, oh, I don't want to put them out. I, there's that cultural fear instead of this, you know, God-given design. Say, no, you kind of got to do it like Jesus, where Jesus said, hey, this is rough. I need you guys to come and pray with me. I need you. The God of the universe who moves into the neighborhood and you need us? I mean, even God himself, you know, which blows our mind. You're three, but you're one, mm -hmm. but because God himself needs community. Yeah. And so those are the examples that, that are just, you know, part of the fabric that goes all through God's word to remind us, like, yeah. this is how it's supposed to go. Yeah. And when we were talking about the purpose of this and what we want to get across, I remember when I came to faith and I remember when God sought me out and he grabbed hold of me and drew me to him and this new life began. But notice I keep using the word I because that's the way I thought of it. Like, well, I'm coming to the Lord. He's drawing me, I, me. And it was all individual and I'd graduated college still living this way and, and living with others and, and community, but not understanding like a compass that when God calls us, he calls us to each other. Like you have to know that. You need to, we need to know that when God calls us to himself, he's calling us to each other, not just this random each other. That's what the church is supposed to be, is this community of people that know, okay, when I fall, he's going to open up my ability to see the people around me and see them for who they are and, and go to that scary place that we talked about, this dangerous life of letting them see us. 
because that's, that's scary. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted you to see that. We want you to, to acknowledge and come to grips with where you're at in your faith right now. Are you coming alone or are you coming to be in community? For example, when most people bounce around from relationship to relationship, uh, when they bounce around from job to job, city to city, state to state, sometimes country to country, it's like they're looking for where the grass is always greener. Same thing that happens in churches, right? Well, I don't know if this church is working for me. I'm going to go check out this church. And if that one's not working for me, I'll check this. Like that's our nature is to go around to see what works for us. And I just, I'd never heard this phrase before. I'd heard the grass is always greener, but I'd never heard, I, this mom was telling her son, she said, you know what, if the grass isn't green enough, then water it where you're at. And that really sunk into me, and part of watering that, the biggest part, other than your faith with the Lord, is these relationships. And it sounds, you just pour the water, it's way harder than that. So we, we chose, there's so many scriptures, but we chose 1 Samuel 20 for us to kind of go through together. So, um, Buzzle. Yeah, and the reason started. we landed in, in 1 Samuel is because this theme of relationships, this theme of friendships, uh, and the, the design of God to use relationships and friendships to bring about the work of God, uh, when, when you think about it, and when you look at all the characters in the Bible, do you guys know who the most written about person in the Bible is? Like, there's more scriptures about this individual than anybody else. You know, I want to say Jesus, which I'm, I'm still wondering if you're right on it's this one. Almost, it's almost, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a safe bet, right? That was my answer, then you gave a different answer. So yeah. I'm going to call heretic on that one, but go ahead. Bye. Yeah, uh, it's really, it's uh, David, King David, David and Bathsheba, David, David and Goliath, David, like, because you've got so much Old Testament you know, I mean, theologically, you could make the case that it's all about Jesus. Yes, Boog, theologian. But, like, just when you're looking at the stories and the, and the, the narratives and, you know, the David and Goliath, the David and Bathsheba, the David and the Psalms, all these different things, it's, you see this real clear picture of the life of David. You see him as a youth. You see him as a, you know, like a young adult. You see him into his older years. And so you really see this. And one thing that's just remarkable about David is the amount and the quality of friendships and relationships that this guy somehow developed with many, many people. And, I mean, just over and over, you see these individuals, like you were talking about uh, when we were talking about David's mighty men, all these dudes that just were like, this is our guy, we're with him, we'll risk our life. At one point, David mentions that he wants water from a specific well from his town in Jerusalem, which at that point was under occupation by the enemy. And some of his friends were like, we'll go get you water. Like, the, he didn't, they didn't even tell, tell him. him. They just went, whoop. And they well, went let's out and got go risk water. our lives to bring water back, you know. And there's other people that were just fighting for him and over and over. And so one of the reasons that I think that David was used so mightily by God so often is because he had this unique gift to gather friendships and to have people around him and to welcome people that would, you know, speak truth to him. Like, um, specifically, the prophet Nathan, at one point, after David has a, an affair with Bathsheba, uh, there's this prophet named Nathan, and he comes to David, who's the king at the time. 
and he calls him out on it. And he does it in this real tricky way. He kind of tells him this story. Hey, David, there's this farmer who has all these sheep, and this one farmer has one sheep, and the farmer with all the sheep wants that one sheep, and he takes him, you know, takes that sheep. What should we do? And David's like, oh, you got to, that guy's in trouble. We got to deal with that guy. And Nathan goes, David, that's you. You did that with Uriah's wife, which was a really, like, gutsy thing for uh, for this prophet to do because the king could have said, I don't like you challenging me and away with you. He could have had him killed. But David had this person in his life that would speak the truth to him, like a true... They were friends first. Friendship. Yeah, they were friends. Nathan had earned the right to be heard. And when I was thinking about that as we were preparing this, I can think back about times that you, um, and in many ways more than a lot of my other friends, have uh, done a great job pointing out to me um, and I got to think about the right way to say this because, uh, like the, the bad way to say it is you do a great job pointing out all my flaws to me, you know, like that doesn't sound I'm right. very like, gifted in that. We have these, uh, hour long sessions where you have copious notes about all the things that are wrong with me, right? But, uh, in reality, Boogie has many times said, Buzzy, can I tell you a pattern I see in your life? Can I, can I speak something to you that, that I see? And I was like, absolutely. And he go, well... Back here, you said this, and then here you framed that scenario as this, this. And he goes, I don't really think these many people are, like, opposing you. I think that you just kind of slant this way for some reason. And you've pointed out things to me that aren't, like, great to hear. Nobody wants to hear where they're wrong or, or need to grow or, you know, don't see things correctly. But I love that you have done that, and you can only do that by truly knowing someone. And so having walked so long, and so all of that saying... Uh, that we're going to look at this passage, just a couple of verses about King David and this moment that he has with, like, his best friend in youth, Jonathan. Jonathan is King Saul's son, and at this time, Saul is still the king. David's not yet the king. And in 1 Samuel chapter 19, the king tries to take David's life four times. And so David's in this, like, kind of like, his, the foundation of his life is a little shook, uh, you know, like, I don't if your life has ever been threatened, like in that gang fight that we, that we were in, like you're just... Uh, see, how, see how the story takes? Now we're in this gang fight. Right. <laughs> Remember when we ended the gang war oh, in yeah. Palm Desert? Right. And so, yeah, like, I mean, I, I did. I got beat up at a Taco Bell once in high school in a parking lot of a Taco Bell, and I was shook for a long time, man. Like, everywhere I went, I was like, that guy's going to get me again. Like, I don't know why I would thought he was so fixated on me, but I never, he never beat me up again. Uh... But I say that because, like, I was shaken. If you've ever been in violence like that, for me, it, like, made me insecure. So I can imagine David feeling like the king, the one with all the power and all the authority, just tried to kill me four times. Now what do I do, right? And so in 1 Samuel chapter 20, it says, uh, David fled um, from Noith at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked. Uh, and so, first of all, I just love that. Where did he go? To Jonathan. He went to his friend. So his life is shaken. His security is rocky at best. And what does this individual do? I got to get to my friend. And he says, what have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father? You know, that he's trying to kill me. And so I love that this, this moment in David's life where he goes, things are not going well. Like the king's trying to kill me. My life is at risk. And he goes to his friend and says, like, tell me what you see. <laughs> Speak to me 
Like, if I am in the wrong here, if there's something I've done that I'm just not paying attention to, I need you to point it out to me because I need to be right in this. And so he goes to his friend and just says, what, what have I done? What have I done? And he's able to do this because of how you were able to speak to me. Like, there's enough of a, of a knowledge. There's mm. enough of a, of a friendship. There's enough of a, an intimacy that he can trust whatever this guy's going to say. I was thinking about, there's this girl uh, that, that trains at one of the gyms that I train at. And the last three times that I've been training and she's been there, she's come over to correct something that I'm doing. You know, like, hey, I see you doing this. Why don't you try and do it this way? Or you're stretching wrong. You need to stretch like this. And here's the thing. What she's telling me is correct, but there's this part of me that's like, I don't know you, lady. Like, leave me alone. Clearly, I work out all the time. You can tell. So just, like, step <laughs> back a little bit and let me do my jam. You know, like, but it was true. It was true. My form was bad, but I didn't know her, and so it felt weird. It felt weird for her to just walk up and be like, let me tell you what's going on here, you know, but when you spoke something way truer to the core of who I am, like, put your hands here for hands hands, that's one thing, but Buzzy, the inner core of you needs this tweak, and it was, like, not offensive to me, but it, like, she was, but you weren't. Why? Because, well, yeah, I was thinking about as you were yeah. sharing that story, and I was thinking especially here with, with um, David and Jonathan, you can tell their friendship's different because he's even asking for that input. Yeah. Like that, you just, you just don't want to open that door. There's a lot of people, I, I don't really want your opinion because it's already, it already hurts enough. Mm -hmm. So I don't want it from somebody I don't know. I'll give, it to, I'll give that permission. You, get, you basically, I knew I had permission because of our friendship. Yeah. I knew, not only did you give me permission, but I knew you'd be frustrated if later on you're like, wait, you saw that you knew yeah, right. and you'd never said and you just kept going and you, what? I thought we were friends. So there was that element of I knew and it wouldn't shock me. Like when, so, so we'll go very often through the messages with each other. So he'll go through what he's teaching, I'll through what I'm teaching. And then um, you'll always say, mm, I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And not always. <laughs> no, but sometimes. I feel horrible for your people, Bug. <laughs> Write a clear sermon already. So I'll start sharing something. And most of the time we're encouraging each other because you have to have that element. That's what I that's oxygen. I need that more than I need the 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 guidance. The you know, if my form is bad, I want it to be corrected, but I know it's gonna be hurt when I hear it. But it's okay if it comes from you. Mm. It's okay if it comes from someone I gave permission to. But if that lady who trains with you all of a sudden is in the back, and then afterwards, hey, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Stacy, and that was horrible. I don't understand why you did this. You need to, mm -hmm. I'd be like, thank you. Who are you? Which actually yeah. has happened several times yeah. on yeah. Sundays yeah. where people I don't know. Yeah. Had one guy like punch me in the chest right here, like, you shouldn't do this. And I, I was really surprised. My usual reaction is, what? Yeah. And, um, I did, but it just didn't feel right. Mm. Who are you? I don't even know who you are. Yeah. So there's that element of giving permission. And, and you can tell this friendship that they have, what do I do now? You only yeah. would do that because you know that you're pro most likely what you're going to hear is not going to be what you want to hear. Mm. And so this phrase I heard I always stick with 
with your friends when they say it. It's like, ouch, that helps. Mm. It's like, that didn't feel good, but it helps, and I'm, it helps because it came from you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so um, I love that Jonathan, or that David asks for that input, and then look at what Jonathan does in verse 2. Uh, never, Jonathan replied. And never to what? Like, what have I done to have wronged your father? You know, why is he trying to kill me? And Jonathan goes, no. He says, you're not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. And so I love that Jonathan kind of like responds and sets his friends straight. Like David's like, what is going on? What have I done? I'm going to die. And he goes, no, 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 no. Let me, let me calm you down and speak some truth. Let me show you something that you don't see. And it's like speaking back to when you corrected me, it's like, Buzzy, I need you to see something that you don't see, right? And so I love that Jonathan here kind of says this to him, like, I, I, I can see a broader picture than you can right now. And, and I think about that in my own life, and I think about that godly gift of people that have eyes that are working on your behalf. Like, I have come to trust um, my wife's eyes so much. My wife will tell me, like, uh, be careful with that guy. Like, I, I got a weird feeling from that guy. You know, like, she said it about you. And so, like, all these different things. And, and, or, like, Buzz, just be careful with that, that woman. Like, she looks at you weird, you know. And I'm always thinking, like, what are you talking about? Nobody's interested in me. Like, I, what do you, and my wife, I've just learned that, like, if my wife gives me any inkling about any human being, I just trust it. I just trust it. There's a beauty in having friends and relationships that are able to see the broader picture than we can see sometimes. And so here, Jonathan get, just kind of corrects David, and he goes, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guide you to good. I'm going to take care of you. I got your back. But he corrects him with positive. Oh, yeah. Because David is, and, and I didn't think about this until you were sharing just now, but I remember, so so Buzzy said that he was a, his dad was a pastor. He was. He planted Lamb's Fellowship in Lake Elsinore. And then when Buzz left uh, living here, moment of silence for that. Mm -hmm. When he left here and then moved back there, it got to the point where his dad was like, you know, I got to find a successor. And they kept, he kept bringing it up to Buzz all the time. And Buzz was like, Dad, you keep bringing this up. Are you trying to tell me you want me to do this? Right. So it ends up that uh, they had a transition period and Buzzy stepped into being the pastor. And so much time during that, because it was his dad and their crew that planted it, and then here comes young poet, wild man, Buzzy, and so there was this kickback, like a lot of kickback. Yeah. And there were so many times where I, it's almost like I could hear, and I didn't think about it till you were sharing right now, but it was almost when our conversations, you'd say, hey, am I doing something wrong? Mm. And it was so <clears throat> much more fun. To be able to say, Buzz, you were made for this. Like, you have a gift and a care. You're doing some other things that aren't in your wheelhouse, so don't try to do those things. Mm -hmm. Don't be your dad. Be who you are because people need you. And so there's that element of people having other eyes when you start doubting yourself. Yeah. Because you were thinking, and, and let's face it, we, we both think that all the time. Why am I doing this? Maybe someone else should do it because they'll do it better. Mm -hmm. But it's good to have those people that are alongside you just like this, that tell you the truth, ouch, that helps. Because yeah. even sometimes hearing the positive, it's like, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. But you need someone with those eyes to tell you what you don't believe about yourself. Yeah. 
And I would wonder, and you don't need to raise your hands or anything, but like how many of you right now, like as, as we talk about this and we go, we're talking about having these people in your life that can tell you the truth, that know you well enough, like how many of you have that? And some of you, I'm sure, absolutely do, and some of you might be kind of going, ah, maybe I'm close with this person, but it's such a needed, needed thing. It's part of how God designed us to receive love, to give love, to grow. Um, and so, so, yeah, Jonathan kind of corrects him in the affirmative, sets him straight, and gives him some confidence. And then verse 3 says, but David took an oath and said, your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. So David's kind of going, all right, Jonathan, I hear you. You're going to do what you can to like protect me. But I feel like death, like there's a thin line between me and Diane right now. And in verse 4, Jonathan says this remarkable thing. He says to David, he says, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. Can you imagine, like, somebody that you trust saying that? But, like, really saying it, like, really meaning it, like, hey, whatever you want me to do for you, I'll do for you. Like, if somebody just looked at you, what do you need? You know, it's like one thing if, like, the crooked car salesman says it to you, what do you need me to do for you today? It's like, you know you're getting, you know, taken advantage, or something, maybe. But, like, if, like, your brother, you know, like, and, and honestly, like, I, this has turned into just a, like, boogie buzz praise fest. I love you, bro. I know you love me. I know you love me, bro. You know, but, like, there's so many times where you have said that to me, like, buzz, like, when I've been down low, buzz, whatever you need, I'm here. I'm here. I'm your guy. Whatever you need, I'm, I'm in it with you. And, like, I can remember uh, the first house we ever bought, my wife and I, we bought a house in Orange, California. I don't know, this was 15 years ago or whenever it was, a while ago. And we were you know, struggling, you pinch pennies when you're buying your first house, and one of my best friends was a real estate agent, and he said, oh, you guys, I'll just give you my commission, and, and we, you know, it's like, oh, he'll give us a discount on his commission. He, his company had said, once a year, you guys can do a transaction and take the entire commission. You don't have to pay out anything to our company, and Millsy raised his hand as his name, and he goes, hey, can, uh, can we give that to somebody else? And everybody looked at him like, why would you want to do that? And so, like, when we bought our first house, my buddy g literally gave us $10,000, you know, like, just out of just friendship, like, hey, I want to help you guys. Like, you might not be able to get this house without this, so I'm just going to give it to you. It was one of those moments of just, like, whatever you guys need from me so you can get this for your family, I'm in. I'm in. And so, like, has anyone, what, what comes to your mind, Boog, about that? Like, in your life, what friends have said the equivalent of that to you and, like, lived it out for you? Well, I remember moving up. So, so Stephanie has lived here her entire life. San Clemente has been her home. So this was her zone. And when God was calling us to move up, to this area, it was difficult because our whole community was um, down in San Diego. And I remember moving up here to work with Young Life, and I was excited. But something also, it, it, there was that excitement of the new frontier, but the 
something's not right. And there were friends, and I remember one of the friends said to me, he said, you know what C.S. Lewis says? And I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty right on. C.S. Lewis was talking about the importance of friendship and how life essential it is. And so he said, if I had any advice for a young man, which we all were, which is why my friend shared this quote, if I had any advice for a young man, it would be to sacrifice almost anything to live near your friends. And so as we were wrestling with moving up, a couple of guys said, well, we'll move up there too. They didn't have jobs yet. They didn't have anything set. And so we all moved up together. Mm. And that has really had a large impact on us because opportunities pop up everywhere else. The grass may seem greener, you know, either another city or a state or even, you know, several opportunities for other countries and even other churches. And it's, I, I want to give up almost everything because I've seen it show itself time and time again. I want to I do that for others. I want to I put my roots deep. Mm. And I want people to know that I'll be there for them. Um, we, we had talked about, um, we had a trip as a family. We, we try to go up to Yosemite a lot, and actually JoJo and Megan were going with us. Um, I wasn't, it was right when the sickness started kicking in, so we weren't really sure what was happening, and we were heading up there, and we, we wanted to take the kids on a hike, and um, I just didn't have the strength to do it, and we also didn't have a place to stay, so... Um, Buzzy had always told me, like, you know, you got this place, you got this place you can stay at. It's our families. It's a cabin. It's been there. What the, the gro what's it called? Gro the Groveland? Groveland, right. Yeah. I always think of, like, Groveland. It's right outside, like, the, the Muppets. Yeah. So right outside the gate, and it's a house, and he'd bring it up all the time. But it, I felt very comfortable asking Buzz because there was that permission. I knew it. But it wasn't Buzzy's. It was his dad's. And um, so he said, I said, can you ask your dad? Because I'm not super close with him. And Buzz said, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell him for you. Here, you call him. Yeah. And what Buzzy was trying to get me to understand was he wanted me to trust my friendship with Gary. Because I was like, I don't know. I, I mean, Gary, he may, maybe he, I don't, that hesitation of, are we really friends? Is it that kind of friendship? Right. Because I don't want to be that mooch guy, like, hey, can I use your free place? Isn't it weird the times in life, even as adults, we revert to becoming like kids, asking <laughs> if we can use the adult's car? <laughs> it's like you're a grown man, like, asking this other grown man, hey, can I borrow your cabin? But, like, it's, you ask, it's your dad, bro. Yeah. And it's like, you got you're a better a grown, connection. You're a dad. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so, yeah, I and when I talked with Gary, it was, yeah. In fact, when I'm at, um, when I'm at Lambs uh, next Sunday with Buzz, I'm pretty jealous of you guys because Gary, because he's that guy, he, <laughs> he just said, oh, well, when you guys are here, then I'll teach at Lambs. So Gary's teaching right now at Lambs. Yeah. And then next Sunday, he's going to come and teach here. Yeah, next week, you guys get my dad. And make sure you tell him that he looks like my dad, not my brother. Make sure you say that because people have started asking if we're brothers and he loves it. I don't necessarily love that. And so just go, oh, yeah, you look exactly like what Buzzy's father would look like. But you're going to be blessed. Yeah, he's this great dude. And I remember I made you call him. Would you ask him? Like, he's, you're, it was easy. Yeah. You know, and I said, no, 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 no. I said, Boog, just call him. Trust me. Like, 
he's one of us, he's cool, like he knows who you are to me, he's going to say yes, and I want you to be connected with him. And so, yeah, what, what, I'll do anything for you except call my dad on your behalf, (laughs) is what that verse was. And so the remarkable thing, like a few verses later in Samuel 20, um, and I don't know where we're on time, but I think we're probably kind of starting to land that plane, but a few verses later, um, Jonathan kind of gives this speech to David and tells him, you know, a couple of things. He goes, hey, as sh- I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, I will sound out my father by this time tomorrow. And if he's disposed towards you, I'm going to send and let you know. If my father intends to harm you, the, the Lord will deal with me ever so severely if I don't let you know. So he just goes, listen, I will find out from my father and I'm on your side. Like I'm with you. And so the, the, the most beautiful way to see this is that Jonathan was willing to sacrifice his relationship with his own dad, right, to be connected to David. He said, man, I could easily, and what that could have meant was I'm giving up the future throne, right, because he's the son of the king, which means maybe he's going to become the king. And like, imagine if, if you were promised some, I don't know, riches or glory or a paid off house on the you know, ocean view, whatever it is, like the best thing. And, and you went, oh, I could get this. But instead, I'm going to sacrifice all of that potentially to care for my friend. Like that's an in- intense, intense thing for him to do, for him to just go, I'm with you. And that's, that's where we now want to turn and look at all of you. <laughs> because who... And we'll just say in this room. Maybe they're not here this Sunday, but you know they're part of branches. Who in this room is that for you? And that's easy for us to go to, just like I talked about me coming to faith. But I think the more important question, the one we can actually control, is who are you to someone else that way? Who can say you are there for them? They'll do anything. They know you will do anything for them. That's what this is supposed to be. That's what the people of God are supposed to do. When you, when you look at Acts, as we looked so much to as a guideline for us, like, how are we supposed to do this church thing? It's like when we, when we gather, so we were sitting down, and I was, I was right behind, um, not that you'd all know them, because here's the thing about friendship, too. You can't, you don't have enough bandwidth for everyone. Hey, anyone, I'll do anything for you. That, there's no way. Don't make those promises. But there's certain people that I would do almost anything for. There's, it's, I feel like God's almost put them on my heart. Like, you better be there for them. Like, I remember when I was in the hospital in that June, and the doctor went, you're very sick. And I was like, wait, what? No, no, no. I just, I'm having a hard time breathing. No, you need to stay here because you're really sick. And everything became clear in terms of relationships and friendships. And I remember what became really clear were, I can't say that to everybody. I can't say to everyone, I'll do anything for you. I'm here for you. I'm for you. And yet it became clear those people, not only that had done it for me, but that God set aside and said, for the time that I give you that you have left, these are the people that I am calling you to be there for. Who are those people for you? 
We don't want you to have to get to the hospital and then figure that out. We'd much rather you figure that out before you get there. In the time that you have left, who are those people that you can say, the Lord has called me to you. I am here for you. That's what this is supposed to be. And so I'm, I walk in and I sit down and I see Buzz hug these people right in front of him. And it's JoJo and Megan. They're part of the people that God put on my heart like, you're going to be here for them. Regardless of what they do. Regardless of it like David, they make a horrible mistake. Or if they're doing well and they're doubting themselves, you're going to be there for them. That doesn't mean you force your way into their life because they have to give you that permission in. But at the same time, who are those people in your life that you are all for them? That's what the people of God are supposed to be. I remember when we first planted branches, and, um, and actually Buzzy was around at that time, and I said, okay, we're not going to have Sunday mornings. Who needs those dumb things? We're going to be different. We're going to do it better. You know, like that's possible. And so the idea was, we'll just be in homes. And we did it, but there were, I, as the one that was leading the charge, I was also the one that came and said, we can't do this. For example, I would not have never seen JoJo and Megan. They were in a different group. I would have seen them every once in a while. That's why there's this commitment to each other. And part of this Sunday morning is we're coming to honor the Lord, but we're coming to be there with each other. We don't have to have music and a message all the time to make that happen. And we can do it in different ways, but there's that element of honoring the Lord, but also honoring each other. So maybe you're visiting this church, and you're from another church. When you go back to the church that you're from, go differently. Look around and say, okay, who am I all there for? Don't waste time sitting in a chair having coffee and a donut and then picking up your kids and going home. Like we're missing out. It's that idea of pouring into people. And I'm telling you, that perfect church does not exist. We know this one isn't. So if you walked in going, I love this. This guy's great. This is it. You know what? You're going to come back in the next few weeks and you go, wow, they're kind of jacked up. <laughs> so if you ever think you've arrived at the perfect church, you should probably go somewhere else because then it's not perfect anymore. Because you bring all your stuff too. We all do. And so the, the main thing that I want us to ask ourselves is there's somebody that's for you, but who are you for? Here at Branches, here in this community of faith. And if this isn't your community of faith, then who are you for and who's for you? Because this is God's design. And we could go on and on about all the million scriptures, but this is how it's done. When God calls you, He's calling you to him, but he's calling you to each other. So I've asked Buzz to yeah. close us in prayer. Yeah. Um, and he has a unique thing that he's, he starts doing his church. So I said, do it here. Yeah, we do this, uh, this kind of closing prayer at my church quite often after the messages uh, to just give God a, a, a moment to just speak and breathe specifically where our minds and spirits are turned completely to him. And so... Um, is, does the band come up after this? No, no, it's just up. And then oh. I'm going to pray us out. Oh, and then you just pray us out. Actually, you pray us out, and then I'm going to tell everyone, grab chairs. Oh, okay, and okay, with, yeah, okay. And then I'll call them. Because normally... So you're the, you're the last yeah. word. Okay, good, good, good. So, but we are um, over time, and there's kids up there. But you know, whatever, okay. whatever you want to do. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to do this 15-minute prayer cycle. <laughs> um, so let me just give you guys this one practicality, how Boog said, like, there might be people for you, but, like, if you want to attract godly friends, like, be a godly friend, right? If you give that away to as many people as possible. And so I'm going to ask that God put someone on your heart that this week you'll call and you will say to them, um, how can I, as your friend, serve you in the pursuit of your goals this week? 
and then whatever they say, I want you to say what else three more times. Because the first thing they're going to do is say, oh, just pray for me. And you go, got it, what else? And then they'll go, um, maybe just send me an encouraging text every day. Cool. What else? I need someone to pick my kid up on, on Wednesday. Got it. What a, you know, ask three or four times so it's not, I mean, prayer is beautiful and important, but um, you can, like, put your prayer actions in as well. So here's how I want to invite everyone to do. Um, just sit upright in your chair. Set your Bible down. Set your purse down. Like, have your hands free. Sit upright. Close your eyes if you're comfortable. Just take a, a breath in. And exhale. And join me in this prayer. God, we thank you for building us for relationships. We thank you for inspiring us as your children to be vessels of love and to be conduits of love and to be beings that can receive love from others. This beautiful choreography that you've uh, put us all as dancers into, Lord. We thank you uh, for just giving us a beat to follow. And Lord, we would ask right now that you will speak to each one of us individually, just to put in our minds. And I would even ask that in the silence of your mind, in the silence of your heart right now, would you join me? Would you pray this? Pray this in the silence of your mind. God, who in my life do you want me to be more present for? Just ask God that, and then see what name, see what, see what face comes in your mind. And if you got nothing, just ask again right now in the silence of your mind, silence of your heart. Say, God, who in my life do you want me to be more present for? And then, again, ask, God, who in this room do you want me to be more tethered to? And finally, I would ask that we would all just pray and say, God, send me people that will help me understand you better, that will help shape me to be who you want me to be, so that I will be even more equipped to love the people you put around me. In the power of your precious name we pray. Amen. So I, we had someone a while ago um, tell me, you know, there's a lot of work to be done at branches. And they said, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> uh, I, I didn't have an answer. I said, I really don't have an answer for you. But in context of what we're saying today, we do all of this to try to help each other. That's why it's there. Um, and there's that greater connection. So if you have kids, when you go up to grab your kids, you could even ask the, per, the, the people that are loving and caring on your kids. By the way, we don't do daycare. They wrestle and, and fight with what they're going to share and how to do it for the kids club up there. When you go up, say, hey, how can I help? Oh, no, we're good. You can ask them two more times if you want because there's stuff to do. For those of us that are here, if you could, and this will be the last thing we do, grab your chair, and then Nisa's going to be over there in that corner, and we've got to, like, they're, they're trying to do a junior high program, and they want all the chairs put away. So... Grab your chair. You can move slowly because if we all go there, it'll be this huge line and it'll be chaotic. But we want to try to grab our chairs and, and put them over there. So may your day be blessed. May your week be blessed. And I'm so excited for you guys next week to hear from uh, my pseudo dad, Gary. Woo. All right.